Acts chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 4. The youth classes will be staying inside. If you are a part of the discipleship class, you can be dismissed this morning. Make your way to the Welcome Center, and they will direct you from there. Praise God. Acts chapter 4. verse 7. Acts chapter 4, verse number 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? That's what I want to speak about this morning. What power, what name? By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at not of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Verse number 12, let's read it together. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Let's thank the Lord together for a name that is applied to our life. Lord, we thank you and praise you. Hallelujah, we thank you that there is a power and there is a name and we exalt you and praise you and thank you and we reflect upon that ability and that anointing today. We give to you thanks and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. God bless you, you can be seated. What power, what name? What power, what name? There is something fascinating to examine in the book of Acts. There are many themes of course, there's an expansion of the gospel that starts in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 when Jesus tells the, the disciples, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And so there is a reflection upon that as Luke pins the words, writes the narrative and the story of a church that expands. Jesus Christ gives his life for it and the church expands into the world. So that is a theme. There's an expansion from the Jewish believers to the Gentile believers and to the world. And you can follow that throughout the book of Acts. There is uh, missionary themes that are contained in the book of Acts as Paul makes his missionary journey. And so I'm wanting to focus today on one of the themes that is found in the book of Acts. And that is, obviously, there is a strong connection and a strong theme in the book of Acts about being filled with the Spirit. The Holy Ghost is at operation. And so the first paraclete, which is Jesus in bodily form, tells the disciples that he is going away from them and he's sending another paraclete. He's going to send the Holy Ghost. 
And so he sends the Holy Ghost, and this is reflected in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. From the very opening Ages of the book of Acts, there is a theme of the Holy Ghost falling, being poured out, and individuals that are filled with the Holy Ghost. It's found in Acts chapter 2. It's found in Acts chapter 4, in verses number 7 and 8 that we read. By what power or by what name? Peter and John were going up to the temple at the gate called Beautiful, and a man was there asking of alms, wanting some money. Peter and John said, silver and gold have we none, but what we do have is a name that's above every name. And so they projected the name of Jesus. The man that was expecting money got more than what he was expecting, and that seems to be the way that God always works. If you come in the house of God expecting something today, God always supersedes what you are expecting. This man was expecting money, but money was not what Peter and John had. What they had was an experience of being filled with the Holy Ghost and passing by. They said, silver and gold, we don't have any of that. We're poor, but we've got something that makes us rich. We've got the Holy Ghost, and we've got a name that's above every name. And healing came to a man that was looking for alms. There is this filling of the Spirit that is found in the book of Acts. And so not only were the disciples filled, but they were feeling and influencing a world around them. Praise God. God didn't give you the Holy Ghost just to feel you, but he gave you the Holy Ghost so that there would be a feeling around you and a connection to a world that is around you. And so in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost is poured out. In Acts chapter 4, there's a name and a power that is associated with the disciples and what they had received. In Acts chapter 4 and verse number 31, after they had been beaten and they were told to speak no more in the name of Jesus, they gathered together at the end of chapter 4 and verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Why were they filled with the Holy Ghost? So that they could speak the word of God with boldness. They were not going to remain quiet. They were not going to be silent. Why? Because there was a fire on the inside of them burning from within. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it had to come out. It had to speak. It had to prophesy. And so in the book of Acts, you get something that is connected. It's thematic. It's a power that comes with the Holy Ghost. We believe as apostolic Pentecostals that there is a power that should be associated with everything that you do. Your worship should be powerful. Your testimony should be powerful. Preaching should be powerful. Singing should be powerful. Why? Because it's connected to the spirit of a deceased one. And the spirit of the deceased one was put in a tomb, but he didn't stay in the grave. But he rose with all power in his hands. And he poured that power out to anybody that would receive it, would believe it. 
hallelujah, would grasp it, would reach for it. I want you to clap your hands today if the Holy Ghost has been good to you, if the Holy Ghost is in you, hallelujah. He's above all, through all, and he's in you all. Hallelujah. Praise God. The place was shaken where they were assembled together. I pray that we have services in which the place is shaken. Does that mean a physical earthquake? I'm talking about a shaking of God's anointing and God's ability that moves us out of our comfort zone, that moves us into the realm of getting beyond our own carnality and our own flesh and gets us into the realm of the spirit where I don't care who sees me, I don't care who thinks, they can mock, but I'm going to be passionate about the things of God. I hope the place is shaken where we're assembled together. And they came out of that prayer meeting, and there was a boldness, the Scripture said. They spoke the word of God with boldness. By what power and what name? By what power, what name? Peter and John said, we've got a name that's above every name. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved and this so this theme runs throughout the book of acts how about acts chapter 6 and verse number 3 wherefore brethren look you out among you seven men of honest report full everyone say full full of the holy ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith. And what else was he full of? He was full of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. The church was expanding, and it was growing, and the disciples were finding their lives inundated with taking care of the business of the church, and they said something has to change here. And so, based upon the Holy Ghost moving, they said, let's pick out some men that is worthy of this task. And there were some qualifications. What were the qualifications? They needed to be of honest report, but the major qualification that's running underneath the surface throughout the entire book of Acts is these men need to be full of the Holy Ghost. And they chose some men, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. We need to be full of the Spirit, not full of ourselves. Not full of the world, not full of carnality. I want to be filled up with the Holy Ghost. I want the Spirit of God to fill up my life. And so they chose some men. They chose some men. They named in this passage the man by the name of Stephen, who was found in Acts chapter 7 and verse number 55. He gives a testimony. And he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. He saw the authority and the power and the ability of Jesus Christ, God manifested in the flesh. And he was, as described here, he was full of the Holy Ghost. He had given a testimony in front of the people. 
Saul, who later became Paul, standing there listening, holding the coats of those that stoned Stephen. Listen to a history as Stephen, in, in one chapter, captured the entire history of Israel, how that they came from their father Abraham, and he went all the way through the exodus out of Egypt in the wilderness and how God moved and operated. And then he got to the end of his testimony. This is what caused them so much pain and angst that they would pick up stones to stone him. He said, this God that created the temple, he does not dwell in temples anymore. This was anathema. This, this was something that went against the grain of every Jewish belief because the temple was everything prominent. It's where God dwelt. And Stephen said, there's something that has happened here that, that you've missed. And what you've missed is he's not dwelling in a physical temple anymore. He's dwelling in the temple of every individual that will open their spirit and their heart to receive the Holy Ghost. It's not going to be confined in a building anymore. It's going to be defined in a life somebody that's hungry for God God's going to pour out his spirit and it's going to dwell and inhabit in that temple and in that body it's not a building it's not a temple it's not Solomon's temple I don't care how much money he spent on it seems as what Stephen was saying he spent all that time and effort and everything was centered around that temple every bit of life was centered around that temple but God's doing a new thing and he's reaching beyond the four walls of a building and he's pouring out his spirit upon all flesh that means you can be the temple of God that means I can be the temple of God hallelujah it can be in me everywhere that I go they picked up stones and they stoned him but the scripture says he was full of the Holy Ghost full of the Holy Ghost Praise God. There's a theme that runs through the book of Acts. By what power? What name? Acts chapter 9 in verse number 17. Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the same one that was holding the coats of those who stoned Stephen now has a on the way to Damascus experience. God knocks him off of his horse gives him instructions on where he should go and one by the name of Ananias chapter 9 verse 17 enters into the house and putting his hands on him said brother Saul the Lord even Jesus by what power what name the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and what and be filled with the Holy Ghost. There's the theme of power and there is a theme of a name. Saul receives the Holy Ghost. Being filled with the Spirit is something that is important. Amen. I believe it's still important today. Praise God. I believe people still need the Holy Ghost today. I believe a lot of the problems in our world is because... People are not filled with the Holy Ghost. They need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Maybe they, they've not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Praise God. I'm standing in a pulpit here today to say there is a Holy Ghost. 
and it's still being poured out upon all flesh, anybody that wants to receive it, and there's a power that can come with it that can give you the ability and a strength to be an overcomer. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands and thank the Lord together. It's what's missing in our world. Everybody's looking for all kinds of things to satisfy. There is nothing that satisfies like the infilling and the power of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. And so we see this run through all of the book of Acts. It is a very, very strong theme, being filled with the Spirit. Peter and John filled with the Spirit. People pour out of the upper room filled with the Spirit. They go to pray. They're filled with the Spirit. Stephen is selected and seven men, they're filled with the Spirit. Paul, Ananias, comes and prays that he might be filled with the Spirit. And so being filled with the Spirit is a common thing. However, there is also another element that creeps in. And what creeps in is a circumspect, dubious element. It's found in Acts chapter 8 and verse number 9. There was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to them they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. And when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. The element that enters into this theme of being filled with the Spirit is another theme of magic and sorcery. And Simon was one that was a person that bewitched the people. People regarded him. He held power. He held control. He held sway over these individuals, so much so that they said, this man is the great power of God. So based on his control and based on his sorceries and based on his bewitchment, if that is a word, he was able to control and have some kind of influence over the lives of the people. And, and so when the Holy Ghost started moving in, you saw a conflicting notion of ideals and worldviews. We've got being filled with the spirit of we've got being filled with sorceries and incantations and magic and all other kinds of controlling methods. And so while the book of Acts is very, very clear that the Holy Ghost is at work, there is also another spirit that is in the world that is also at work. Same thing happens today, ladies and gentlemen. There is the Holy Ghost that is at work, and there is also a spirit of the world that is a bewitching spirit, that is a spirit of magic and sorcery and illusion. And so Simon was one that was noted in Acts chapter 9. We can continue to read and recognize and understand in Acts chapter number 8 and verse 17. 
Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power. By what power, what name? Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee, for I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. So there is a confrontation between the power of the Holy Ghost and the power of Simon's ability and magic and sorcery. Simon wanted to buy the power of the Holy Ghost. And the disciples said, you can't, money can't buy this. Praise God. If that were the case, then wealthy people would be able to pour out the Holy Ghost. That's not the way it works. The Holy Ghost is for everybody. doesn't matter how much money you have or how much money you don't have. The Holy Ghost is something that God initiates, God establishes, and God pours out upon all flesh. It's not something that you can buy. And so the key point that is made here is magic was used for and it had a potential and it had a discretion by which the user was able to call forth the spirits. Simon wanted it. He wanted to buy it because he wanted to be in control of it. The Holy Ghost doesn't work that way. The Holy Ghost is in you to control you, not you control the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I want the Holy Ghost so that I can reap blessings upon myself. That's not the way it works. The Holy Ghost is in you to make you more like Jesus. By what power and what name? To make you more Christ-like. Not so that I can control it. Not so that I can confer it. Not so that I can bring praise upon myself. But that God gets the glory. Simon used his spells, his charms, his incantations, his rituals, his ceremony. And Peter rightly noted, you're trying to circumvent the work of God. You've got a heart of, of bitterness and you are in bondage to sin. It's about your ego instead of it being the mind of Jesus Christ. Praise God. You're trying to manipulate all of the angles. And so the book of Acts, while there is a theme of being filled with the Spirit, there's also a theme that is in confrontation to that. And what Acts is saying through every example of being filled with the Spirit is that Jesus is the control and not you. If you're a controlling type of person, let me tell you the best thing for that. You need the Holy Ghost. People that are controlling like to control everything, every little thing. And you can't do it. You, you will be miserable if that's the way you're going to live in your life because there's always stuff that, you could, that could be done better. And you'll constantly run around like a hamster on a wheel. Praise God. A controlling person needs a power of the Holy Ghost. 
praise God. A, a person that is lazy needs the power of the Holy Ghost. So there's a balance between both extremes. Hallelujah. What we all need in this place here this morning is the power of God's Spirit within us, the Spirit of the deceased one. I need Jesus in my life by what power and what name. It's a name that's above every name that's applied to my life. It's the name that got me out of bed this morning and got me to the house of God here today. It's the name that propels me forward. It's the name that brings revival. It's the name that brings repentance. It's the name that brings refreshing. It's the name that brings forgiveness and cleansing. It's the name. Acts is saying Jesus is the control, not not you. And there are other examples. Acts chapter 12 and verse 21. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It's the voice of God and not of man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. There's something powerful in there. He gave God not the glory. We better be very careful in everything that we do. We give God the glory. Well, I did it. I did it. And it was part of who I was and what happened. You better be careful. You, you better be careful to give God the glory. I made it through this. I did that. If it was not for God's goodness and his graciousness to you, you wouldn't be where you are. Praise God. But because of, because of his glory, oh, because of his glory, I was able to be an overcomer. And so Herod retained that. He kind of liked that. And that's typically the ego of humanity. We like that. And so he retained that. And the angel of the Lord smote him and he was eaten of worms and he gave up the ghost and, and listen to the parallel that takes place but the word of God what grew and multiplied because there is this juxtaposition of the power of God's spirit and the power of the world that that retains itself with humanity and so there is this conflict and there's this story that is being played out as we read the book of Acts that is before us day and that is who's going to have the control in your life praise God incantations and spells and charms you say well I don't get into that there's only there's only two things that are being displayed here you're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil and you're either full of the spirit or you're full of something else and so these things are, are working in the book of Acts. Herod comes to a point in his life in which he dies because he's following the wrong spirit. Acts chapter 13 and verse number 6, we see this played out again. When they had gone through the aisle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. Isn't that fascinating? Sergius Paulus is a prudent man. He wants to hear from the men of God, the people of God, but with him was a man that's a sorcerer. 
Never discount the fact of where people are coming from and the hunger that in, that's in their heart. Their connections may not be a reflection of what's on the inside. Sometimes we have to look beyond what we see and recognize and understand that God's at work. God is at work even when we don't see it. Don't stop testifying. Well, that's a dark place. Keep testifying. Well, they don't seem to want anything to do with God. Keep testifying. You don't know what's in their heart. Praise God. They may be actively opposed and they will say it verbally, but God knows what he's doing. And so that's when you find a prayer room and you say, God, go ahead and trouble them with your spirit and your anointing. Hallelujah. Work on their heart and life. When nobody else can say it, see it, when they're all alone, God touched them in a powerful way. God is working. God is working. And so <clears throat> Sergius Paulus is asking to hear the word of the Lord. But Elamus, the sorcerer, for so his name is by interpretation, withstood them seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. This man was actively trying to keep this man from God. There was a force at work. The scripture said the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent taketh it by force. There's a struggle. There is a battle here. And Paul withstood this. And he being, this is key, verse number 9. We need to read this because here's the juxtaposition again between a sorcerer somebody that's trying to withstand revival. And Paul, what has Paul described here? Paul filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you something. If you want to see great things happen, you got to be full of the Holy Ghost. I wonder what have happened if that would have been descriptive in a different way. Paul being lackadaisical, not where he really needed to be, not full of the spirit, but cold and indifferent, confronted a sorcerer. Would we get the same story and the same authority? You can fight your battles a whole lot better when you're full of the Holy Ghost. But when you're not, there's going to be difficulties that come and struggles that come because the authority that you need is not there. Now, by the mercy of God, you'll still be okay, but you need to be filled Paul, being filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? We need to be kind, we need to be humble, but we need to take a stand when it comes to spiritual matters. Paul said, you child of the devil... You opposer to righteousness. You're perverting the right ways of the Lord. And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at what? At the doctrine of the Lord. There's a doctrine of power and a doctrine of the name. You know, I'm really confused why people, by what power, what name? I'm really confused why people would abandon the name because there's power connected to the name. 
This is one of the reasons why it's so significant in the book of Acts that they were baptized in the name of Jesus, Acts chapter 2, 8, 10, and 19. Why? Because by what power, what name? There's a connection and there's a doctrine that the power that's coming is connected to the name. That's above every name. This is why it needs to be applied to our lives. And this is why it's so very, very significant. And so again, we see this pattern of an influence of God's ability and his power. And at the same time, there is also an element in which we find magic and sorcery and illusion. Acts chapter 14 and verse number 8. There was a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet. He was crippled from his mother's womb. He had never walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up right on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lyconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, why do you do these things? We are men of like passions with you. Preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. They, they were going to elevate them to prominence of being gods because of a miracle. And if it was not for being filled with the Spirit, Paul and Silas could have retained, or Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas could have retained that praise and adoration and accolades of humanity. But they rent their clothes and they said, it's not us that you need to give glory to. It's God that you need to give glory to. So there is a fusion of the power of God's spirit and a conflict in the book of Acts, an element of opposition. We live in the same kind of world, ladies and gentlemen. We're influenced by the same motives. Praise God. You're going to be influenced by the presence of God and the ability of God and the power of God and the anointing of God. Or you're going to be influenced by a spirit of the world that is caught up in so many, many things. Praise God. One of my favorite passages of Scripture in the book of Acts regarding this is in Acts chapter 19, verse number 11. Certain of the vagabond Jews exorcists took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus saying we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth and there were seven sons of one Sceva a Jew a chief priest a chief of the priests which did so and the evil spirit answered and said I love this <laughs> Jesus I know and Paul I know but who are ye 
who are you? And the evil spirit and the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overcame them, prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling at Ephesus and fear came on all of them. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Watch what happens. Many believed, came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them which used curious arts brought their books together. And now up to this point, you see this conflict, right? And you see the, you see the disciples speaking against that. Simon, Barji, you can't, you can't buy the Holy Ghost. Perish you with your money. But it, apparently it doesn't make a change in Simon because there's nothing that reflects that. And we see the conflict that is running through the pages. But here we see, we see something different. When there is a confrontation Many believed, confessed, showed their deeds. Many of them which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. They, they, they eradicated the spirit by which they were practicing and said, if we're going to be full of the Holy Ghost, there, there's some things that have to go. This is the gospel message. You, 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 can't, you can't live with both spirits in the same house. That brings confusion. That, that's not a clear signal. That's not a clear sound. When you got the spirit of the world and you got the spirit of Christ, that's called syncretism. That's an Old Testament fallacy and lie that drove the Jewish nation into off the cliff and into destruction, thinking that we could, we could take some Baal here and we could still follow God. Baal is the God of the agriculture and fertility, and he's the one that waters the crops, but God's the one that brought us out of Egypt. You, you can't bring both in and create a religion based on both of those and think somehow that that's going to bring revival and authority. There are some things that must take place when God starts working on your life that you say, these are some things that must go because in order to be filled with the Spirit, I can't have these other things cluttering up my life. I can't have worldliness in, in the same place of the Spirit that's trying to fill up my life. And so there's some actions that I've got to, to, to take care of. There's some things in my life that I've got to remove. These people said we recognize the power that is contained in the Holy Ghost. And so we're willing to give up all of our curious arts. We're willing to give up all of our books. We're willing to burn them because we want the Holy Ghost at operation in our life. A church is only going to be as powerful as it is filled with the Holy Ghost. You have a church that is carnal, you're not going to have revival. You're just simply going to have a carnal church. But if there's a church that is full of the Holy Ghost, you're going to have a church filled with the Spirit and you're going to have revival. There's some things we need to move out of our existence and out of our influence. If you want your family and if you want your home filled with the Spirit, you got to get the curious arts out of your house. 
They burned. They made a decision. And what's taking place here is God is greater. There's other spirits, and we're not minimizing their power, but God is greater. I'm not going to minimize magic and incantations and, and seances and all this other kind of stuff because there is power there. I'd be a fool to say there's nothing there. But what is greater than that is the power of the Holy Ghost. And so there is something there, but there's something greater. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There is a power that is greater There's a power that is greater. And so there's always some people that, that want to break loose. It's a tool of Satan to keep people from the gospel. It's a tool of Satan to keep people dependent upon themselves. But there's always somebody that wants to jailbreak. Right? Sin is a cruel taskmaster, and it will imprison you, and it will chain you, and it will enslave you. But there's always somebody that wants a chain break because they recognize there's something greater. There's a power that is greater. Acts chapter 16 and verse number 16, as we come to a conclusion here this morning, came to pass as we went to prayer A certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination. All right, now we got magic, seances. We got all, now we got divination, spirit of divination. Brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. This she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour, and when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, an enslavement, they recognized the value of human trafficking. The hope of their gains was gone. They caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. The multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrate rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. When they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. There's a spiritual attack that rose up. You are not going to do this. We are going to put you in jail and put you in prison. Praise God. We are going to stop you from doing this, but verse number 25, musicians come. Praise God. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Praise God. There was a prison break because God's spirit always trumps Spirit of divination. You say, man, I'm under a spiritual attack. What do I do? Be filled with the Holy Ghost. You mean, is that it? That's all you have to do. Why? Because God's greater. God is more powerful. 
Praise God. His ability and his anointing is greater than any spiritual attack. Well, I woke up in the middle of the night and I felt fear. All you need to do is speak the name of Jesus. Is that all you have to do? Yes. By what power, what name? He's greater. He is elevated above all. Praise God. It acknowledges that there's a lot of spirits of divination. There's a lot of spirits of magic and, and the arts and the curious works and the arts that are in the world. It's an acknowledgement of all of those things. People are caught up in those things and controlled by those things. That's an acknowledgement of that. But ultimately, what must be acknowledged is the Spirit of God is greater and more powerful than anything else that is in the world. You don't have to live in a world of fear. Praise God. Did you hear that? I'm speaking faith to somebody. You don't have to walk in the realms of fear and doubt and unbelief because God is with you and his spirit, his anointed spirit is greater than anything else in the world. Who's going to be the control in your life? You're going to let a world control you going to find a smorgasbord, a Pandora's box of all kinds of evil that comes gushing out into your life. Oh, but if you're following the Holy Ghost, there's a peace that passes all understanding. There is a comforter that comes that brings you anointing and strength. If you're troubled today, there is a God that knows how to respond to you. Praise God as we stand together and we stand to our feet. Our world is full of false hope. to chase after fool's gold operating in a realm of fear praise God I want to preach to you today that there's a resurrected savior hallelujah there is a word of God every instant that takes place the word of God grew and multiplied what were they preaching they were preaching in a risen savior they were preaching in Calvary and the blood of Christ that washes away every sin that brings healing brings strength you need to stand in the house of God today and say I am more than a conqueror there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God there is no height, there is no depth, there is no creature, creature, there is no spirit, there is nothing that can keep me from what I need. Peace of mind, strength in my spirit. I'm going to put my life in his hands. I'm going to walk according to his power. I'm going to take upon his name. And in the process of that, I'm going to stand resolute and steadfast in God's grace. God's goodness. I'm telling you today, you're serving something that is greater. Praise God. Let it be the influence in your life today. With uplifted hands all over this place here today, we need to say, God, I want you to be the controlling influence in my life. Praise God. I want you to direct me, Lord, every step that I take. Come on, uplifted hands. We love you, Lord, and praise you. We magnify you. I want you to control every step. Praise God. Now, pick it out of track, Lord. Come on, why don't you lift your hands right where you are just for a few moments this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I need your spirit, Lord. I want to be filled. 